You are listening to a podcast from Rocky Mountain Christian Ministries. For more information about our church, please visit us at rmcmchurch.org. I don't have any slides up for you this morning. I just did not get to them. So you can take out, uh, probably be a good idea, take out something to write with, something to write on. We are going to continue in this series on living stones. We're getting really close to Christmas. And uh, I'm not, as any of you have been here a while, you know, I just kind of teach what the Holy Spirit puts in my heart. Sometimes it lines up with the season, sometimes it doesn't. So we will Christmasize this message that we've been in for six weeks by saying, why did Jesus come? Jesus came. We're celebrating Jesus coming. He came to seek and save the lost, right? He came to, but how is he doing that? He's doing that through building his church and sending us out into the world. And that's what we're talking about. So this is now a Christmas message. All right, everybody got it? Open your Bibles with me. I brought a real paper Bible today. Uh, Yeah, it's exciting. I was digging around, trying to find 1 Corinthians chapter 12. There's all these pages. <laughs> this is my racing Bible. I got this when we first started Bible college. One of our uh, teachers was Pastor Bob Yandian, who he was at Rama for years. I don't know if you knew him and had a uh, church and <laughs> I'm getting all the cat hair and stuff off it. Um, sorry, Kay. Uh, <laughs> You're not supposed to do that kind of thing in front of Kay. She'll run up with a vacuum cleaner. Uh, but he was Bob Yandian, and he's an incredible teacher of the word, but he would go so fast. And we're in night school, so we work all day. We go for a few, three hours, twice a week at night for five years. And uh, anyway, he was one of my favorite teachers, but he would go so fast. And so I'd gotten this Bible and put these, Everybody, anybody remember these tabs? They just tear your pages. They're really a bad idea. But anyway, when you've got a whip somewhere, you can whip there with tabs. So then in church, I would race Karen to see who could get there. She wasn't always participating, but that's what I did. So this is my racing Bible. It's a new international. We're going to spend most of our time in that. I want you to turn over to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And I want to talk today, how much time did I waste? We're okay. Um, I want to talk today about, we've been talking about the fact that Jesus is the living stone. Peter lays it out this way. And we, as we come to him, are being made into living stones. And we are being, he says, built together into the house of God or the household of God. So we've said over and over that whole picture is one of that word build means you're gathering materials, you're shaping those materials for a specific role in what you're building, and then you're joining those materials together. And that's what the church is. We're we're a gathering of the children of God. We've come to him. We are partakers of his divine nature. We are, he is the living stone and we are parts of him. We have his nature on the inside of us. You don't have two natures on the inside of you, even though it feels that way some days. That's not the truth. And we need to say what the Bible says about ourselves. So no, we have the nature of God now. If you're born again today, you have the nature of God in you. You have been made a part of him. And now he's shaping your life. He and the Holy Spirit, really the Holy Spirit and the word, shaping your life. And then he is building us together. He sets, every one of us have a role in what God is doing in the earth today. And he builds us together. We are a part of one another. And Paul talks about that whole thing here in 
1 Corinthians chapter 12. And we're going to look pretty much at this whole chapter. We're not going to dig deeply into uh, very much of this chapter, but it all flows together so well that we need to look at it. You know what Boyd was saying this morning about loves to read the words in red, and then you find that the Old Testament just speaks the same thing. That's because they should all be read. That's because Jesus is the word, and he has spoken the whole word. He is the word of God. And your Bible is the word of God in written form. So let's go to 1 Corinthians in chapter 12. Let me just give you a little bit of background here. Paul wrote this letter to the churches in Corinth, and he wrote it. If you read through it, you'll see over and over and over, he says, now about this, now about communion, now about um, marriage, now about spiritual gifts, now about this. The reason he did that is because this letter was written as an answer to a letter they wrote to him asking questions. And the reason for that was because you think about who you know, the Gentile world at that time, you know, we're, for the most part, as far as I know, all of us are, are Gentiles. We're not Jewish by ethnicity, but we have been living in Christianity has been alive in the world for over 2,000 years. For these people, this was brand new. They had been they had been worshiping idols. They had been worshiping, they're used to multiple gods. When they saw something happen that they believed was God, well, that God had this name and this God had that name. And there were all this variety of gods with various personalities, various characteristics, various abilities or power. They, they, were, they worshiped multiple gods. And so part of the message of the gospel was to teach people that, no, there's just one God. And, and that God manifests himself in various ways. And that's why Paul talks to them so much in this chapter about the Holy Spirit and saying, no, when, when you say a, see a word of wisdom over here and you see someone speaking in tongues over here and then interpretation coming from over there, or you see someone discerning of spirits or this or that, it's all one spirit just moving in these different variety of gifts. And so it's part of what he talks about, and also some of the, I think there's some misunderstanding, I know there's some misunderstanding, of um, various things that Paul writes in Corinthians, because people don't realize, he'll repeat back to them what they asked, and then he'll answer. And so sometimes people don't get that a certain phrase is actually, uh, he's speaking that back, and it's something they wrote to him. And he'll quote that, and then he'll say something else. And people don't realize the first one was a quote. And so they either think Paul's contradicting himself, or they'll make really bad theology out of something that he said. And, and so there's, there's some of that that goes on throughout these different chapters. And so we just have to understand, he's, he's, he's writing back to them. They were asking questions about, how, does, how do these gatherings of believers, of Christians, followers of Jesus, how does that work? How is it supposed to look? What's a Christian marriage looks like? What, what are we supposed to do at communion? I guess we're not supposed to just come and pig out and get drunk, which is what they were doing, and Paul corrected them for it. And even here, as he teaches about the gifts of the Holy Spirit, which is not our topic this morning, but it's here in this chapter, <clears throat> as he teaches about the gifts of the Holy Spirit, He's giving us a few paragraphs on a huge subject. 
And, and, and thank God he did. I mean, he, he talked here in 1 Corinthians 12, and then he coupled it with a lot of information about how the love of God works in 1 Corinthians 13. Then he goes back into how the gifts flow. And, and he, in 1 Corinthians 14, he goes back into it again. And he ties those three chapters together. But even with that, my opinion is if Paul had said, okay, now I'm going to stand up and do a specific teaching just on the gifts of the Holy Spirit, we'd have a lot more information than what we have here. I think this is a huge, it's, it's a nugget, but it's a huge nugget. It's, it's what we obviously, the Holy Spirit gave us this to feed on and to understand how this is supposed to function, especially in public worship and then also in our personal life, and especially in 1 Corinthians 14, and this is not our subject this morning, John. In 1 Corinthians 14, Paul goes back and forth talking about how the gifts flow in his personal life and how they flow in public worship. And there are some differences. They're supposed to flow in both, but there are some differences. So you just have to have some of that understanding as, as you study these uh, different things out. But in the first few verses uh, here, beginning in, again, he says in verse one, he says, now about spiritual gifts. So he's saying, now you ask me about spiritual gifts, here's what I'm going to say. He says, I do not want you to be ignorant. You know that when you were pagans, somehow or other, you were influenced and led astray to dumb idols. Therefore, I tell you that no one who's speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus be cursed, and no one can say, can really say, Jesus is Lord, except by the Holy Spirit. And so he's beginning to tell them, there's, there's just one God. You guys worshiped idols. It's not what we do anymore. There's just one God. And in verse 4, he, he says, there are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit. All right, and in that verse, we learn that it is the Holy Spirit who is, for lack of a better term, in charge of the spiritual gifts. Okay, there, there is one Spirit, all right, different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit. And he says there are different kinds of service, and that word refers to ministries or offices. It relates to the information that we have over in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11, about the fivefold ministry gifts, and it says that Jesus gave those. The Holy Spirit brings the spiritual gifts. Jesus establishes those offices, those leadership offices in the church. So he says, there are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. And that is a term used for Jesus. And then he says, there are different kinds of working, but the same God works all of them in all men. So we see that the Holy Spirit brings the gifts. The, the Lord Jesus is over the offices, which are also gifts, but they are, they are offices, they are administrations in the body of Christ. And God the Father is the one who takes all of that variety and arranges it the way that he wants to arrange it and use it for the, to accomplish his purpose in the earth. And so we see the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit all working together in all of this. All right, does that make sense to you so far? All right, so we go on here and he says um, in verse 7, this is a really important important verse. He says, now to each one, the NIV says, to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. 
All right, so he's talking about that in gatherings in the church, when the church gathers together, it is normal for the gifts of the Spirit to work. And he says he gives, the Holy Spirit gives these gifts, brings these manifestations to, and it says he gives them here to each one. That word in the Greek means each one and everyone. We would say he gives them to each and everyone. We know from this verse that the gifts of the Holy Spirit are available to every believer who makes every person who will make Jesus the Lord of their life and be baptized in the Holy Spirit, which again, we're not going to go into in detail today. But when those two things are working, we see those gifts, these gifts that he's going to mention, and others, other varieties of these gifts begin to flow immediately on the day of Pentecost among 120 people who had already accepted Jesus as Lord and then were, by Jesus' own term, baptized in the Holy Spirit. And from that point on, those gifts are evident through the entire New Testament. There is no time when the Holy Spirit has stopped manifesting himself through his church, through the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And Paul writes this into this this discussion about what does the church look like? Who is this church? When we gather together, what's it supposed to look like? He spends some time talking about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. He does that partly so that they'll know, like I said before, these are not a bunch of different gods manifesting it, manifesting. <laughs> That's probably not a word. In your midst, this is one God manifesting himself in a variety of ways through a variety of people. Does that make sense? So this is a picture of the church. This is a picture of church gatherings. All right. So this word manifestation, we'll just touch on this. This is such an important word about how the gifts of the Spirit work, which are not our subject, by the way. But, but he says, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. The manifestation of the Spirit, that word manifestation is a Greek word, phaneru or phaneros, and, and it means a flashing forth. I always think of um, where I grew up, there was, it was <laughs> the 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 terrain was flat as a pancake and there was uh, an airport just a little ways away, just less than a mile away from our house. And so at night when you were out, that beacon was rotating. You've probably seen that at airports, you know, that beacon was rotating. And of course, when you're standing in one place, it would come around. It was on all the time, but it would come around white and then green, white and then green. And it would come around and from my perspective, standing there, it would flash and you'd see it. And you would, you would see that thing because, you know, uh, police lights are the same way. The old ones that were rotating beacons. And, and so that looks to us like it flashes, but really the light's on all the time. It's just turning. And when it hits you, it looks like a flash. That's kind of the idea of that word manifestation. It is a flashing forth. It is the appearance or uh, the appearance of the Holy Spirit that comes and then goes. When it's done with its purpose, it goes. When somebody has a word of knowledge, it comes, and then it's, it's done for right then, and it goes. They don't live their life giving words of knowledge. All of their speech is not words of knowledge. 
there was a word of knowledge that was given in a public setting for a specific reason. There was a gift of healing. We can lay, the Bible tells us as believers, we can lay hands on the sick anytime and see them recover. But there's also a gift. Sometimes in a public setting, the Holy Spirit puts this gift of healing on someone and they there's a special release of healing anointing through that gift. All of the gifts are that way. They come and they go as he chooses for the common good. There are other gifts that are not our subject this morning that are given that are resident gifts. And we've talked about this in here many times that we carry. But just because I move in a, in a gift of word of wisdom or word of knowledge or uh, discerning of spirits or any of the gifts that he's about to mention here, it's because I, I, what, what, here's my stance to make this shorter. I believe I can flow, I am allowed to flow in any of the gifts of the Spirit at any time according to what the Spirit desires to do. And I just want to make myself available to that. Then what he wants to do at a certain time, he will put on us, we will use, and it will be a flashing forth of the Holy Spirit. Others believe that differently, but from what I can dig out of this, that's the way it looks to me. And, and so just because I flow in that one time, now I will say this, again, not our subject, that we all, anybody who's open to flowing in the gifts of the Spirit, we do seem to flow, I flow more in certain gifts than other gifts. There are some that I don't think I've ever stood up in a, in a public setting. I, I pray in tongues all, all the time and worship in tongues a lot, but that's my private devotional use. But in a public setting, I don't think I've ever been used to deliver a message to people in tongues or interpretation of tongues. I tend to get words of knowledge, words of wisdom, prophecy, that kind of thing. Why? I don't know. I don't care. I just want to be used in whatever he wants to abuse me in. I've known other people who get words of uh, in tongues a lot um, and interpret tongues a lot. Anyway, the point is here, he's telling us, all of this is showing us, okay, this is what a gathering of Christians is supposed to look like. This isn't weird. This isn't fringe. This isn't something that only happens to a few special people. This is for each and every one. All right, we better move on. Are you getting anything out of this? Yeah, maybe. All right, we'll try some more. To one there is given uh, through the Spirit the message of wisdom, to another the message of knowledge, to another by the means of the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healings by that one Spirit, to another miraculous powers, to another prophecy, to another the ability to distinguish between spirits, to another the ability to speak in different kinds of tongues, and still another the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of one and the same spirit, and he gives them to each one just as he determines. Okay, right time, right place, what's needed. Later on, it tells us what we should do. Now, we don't all, at the end of the chapter, we're not going to get that far. He tells us, yeah, not everybody flows in every one of these gifts, but you know what you're supposed to do? Earnestly desire the best gifts. And I believe the best gift is the one that's needed in the time and place where you are. So I, I think the Holy Spirit determines what that is. We just make ourselves available normal Christianity, normal church gathering. Okay, let's go on. So in verse 12, he starts to talk about the body, the church, 
the body of Christ. And he starts out in verse 12 and he says, the body is a unit or a unity. Though it is made up of many parts and though all its parts are many, they form one body, so it is with Christ. So Paul brings in this analogy. He says, the church, the people of God, the gathering of believers is like a body. It's like your body. And he says, just like your body is made up of all these different parts, it's still one body. It's it's one body, but it is a unity. And, And that idea, we've said this many times, you cannot have unity without diversity. Okay, if, you, if we're all exactly the same, there's no need for unity. The word unity means diversity, different parts in harmony, working together to a common purpose. All right, that's what the word unity means. So we know right away that the body of Christ is diverse. And just like in our body, all these different parts, and it is, I mean, I don't know the first thing about it, but the, but the little bit I've read and that I learn about the different systems and parts in our body and the way they rely on one another and the way they, every part, every single part in your body is necessary. It has a function. It's there for a purpose. And it has to, it is dependent upon. There's not one part in your body that will function without blood supply. You know, we are dependent upon the other parts and systems within the body for the body, for Christ's body to work effectively and to carry out its mission in the earth. And in the earth. And so this is a, a church was actually designed to consist, to be a wildly diverse group of people. Within the context, and I made some kind of note about this, within the parameters of what the Word of God defines about godly living, about His ways, His nature, His character, we have different passions, we have different roles, we have different gifts, we have different abilities, we have different perspectives. Within the context of who God is and what He says within it, I'm not talking about, oh, well, yeah, uh, my my gift is uh, being drunk. You know, my gift is uh, pornography. My gift. No, we're not talking about that. Okay, within the context of who God is and holy living and what He's called us to do, but the mission He's given us is to reach the whole planet, a variety of cultures. Even forget the whole planet. I mean, don't forget the whole planet. It is, it is where He sent us. But just think about our culture. Just think about the variety of individuals and people. And you could almost say languages. Think about the United States of America. There are are places that people come from. I think of the Bronx. I think of Deep South. I think of where... Are you speaking English? Is English your first language? And they're probably saying the same thing to me. Right, we're the same nation and have the same language. We watch some some television shows that are British, and and they're they're good, they're funny, but 
you know, there have been several that looked good, but I can't understand a word they're saying. I mean, unless they had subtitles, I cannot believe these people are speaking English, you know, and they couldn't believe I was either. There's that much diversity in who we're supposed to reach. Think about the subcultures, the way you grew up that's different from the way another person grew up, the background that you have, the experiences that you've had. The body of Christ is to be diverse enough within the context of who we're supposed to be to reach all these different people. And that's, that's the way the body is. But then it's a unit, which means we have to be we have to have relationships. Over in Ephesians chapter 4, we're not going there, but over in Ephesians chapter 4, where it talks about the fivefold ministry, it says the result of us coming together and gathering with the fivefold ministry and leadership and these gifts from the Lord working is that we grow to maturity and that, that we, we are supplied, we are equipped to do the work of the ministry, to reach the people in our sphere of influence. And it talks about there in the context of the church about what every joint supplies. And it's a Greek word that speaks of relationships. It speaks of, um, it, it really, I, I think it uses the word in some translations, it talks about ligaments. You know, it talks about, I said this to uh, the girl that's a PT the other day, and I said something about, so is that a ligament or, is, you know, and oh no, that's a tendon. And I'm like, isn't that the same thing? No, it's not. One connects muscle to muscle, one connects muscle to bone. Okay, but it's not a muscle that's torn, was my question. But anyway, the point is, the way this body works, relationships are those ligaments that connect us together. We might be very different. We might have totally different purposes. And here's our problem, and it's getting worse in America, and I hope not, doesn't get any worse in the church, is we have become so tribal that we only want to be with our tribe. We think church means three of us that agree totally, never have a disagreement, getting together at my house, that's the church. No, it's not. That's fine, but it's not the church. It's fine to do that. It's actually good to do that. Jesus said where two or three of us gather, he'd be there in our midst. Yep. But when we will not associate with people who are older than us, younger than us, from different cultures than us, have a different perspective. Here's one that I've run into recently. Somebody that has, and, and we see this a lot, somebody that has a certain gift and passion for a good ministry, a good part of what the Lord is doing in the earth. But they're mad because not everybody carries that same passion. And so they're going around and they're, they're not finding a place to fit. And the reason is because they want everybody, what they mean by fit is everybody's got to be just like me. It's, that's a real danger to all of us. We like to be comfortable. We like to be where, where we're comfortable. But in letting the Lord, in, these ver, in verse, chapter 12, verse 18, it says he arranges the parts of the body. It means he sets us in place as it pleases him. Sometimes it doesn't please us right away. Sometimes it's hard for us to be in that place in the body. But if you're needed in that place in the body and it's where he wants you, here's the simple answer. He's Lord, you're not. Okay, that's the way we need to approach being in the body of Christ. Man, I am not going to get anywhere near through. Are you getting anything out of this? You got to tell me you are, okay? Okay. Even if it's a lie, God will forgive you. 
Just tell me you are. So let's, let's move on. All right, so the body's a unit made up of all these different parts. It says, because, here it is, verse 13, we were all baptized by one spirit into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, slave or free, we were all given the same spirit to drink. We all have the same Holy Spirit in us. And when you were born again, and when I was born again, it says here that we were baptized into the body. Three baptisms in the Holy Spirit. Baptism in water represents, we're going public with the fact that we've been born again and we're connecting with Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. Baptism in the Spirit is being saturated with the Holy Spirit and coming up full of the Holy Spirit. Baptism in the body is something that happened to every one of us and we weren't even necessarily aware of it. But from God's perspective, baptism means immersed in and indelibly marked by changed forever by carrying, as we come up out of the the fluid of baptism, carrying what we were baptized in, we were baptized by the Spirit into the body of Christ. We have been contaminated with one another. We have been immersed in one another. And to, to break that and to say, no, I can do this all by myself, which is what I said for years, to, to break that and pull yourself out of relationship with the body, is, it's just a violation. And you know what? You can cut off a human hand, and it will still be a human hand. And you can freeze it, I suppose, or something, and you can keep it. This is, this is appetizing, isn't it? You can keep it for years and years and years and years. And you pull it out and you check the DNA, it's still a human hand. If you separate yourself from the body, are you still a Christian? Yeah, of course. There's just no life. There's just no life. And you are going to dry up and you are going to miss. I'm not saying God doesn't love you. I'm, not, I'm just saying there's a part of the life of the body that we receive from one another. That, that God, we've said this over and over, he does certain things when we're gathered that he doesn't do in our individual time. He does stuff in our individual time. But he does things in here that he doesn't do there. He loves, he designed this. He made it this way. There is a life flow that comes only when we're connected to one another. And there's a, a purpose, a, a, a Boy, I'm just not getting the right word. There's a function that we have with one another. There's a function and there's a multiplied function. You know, if our body, well, he goes on to say it. Why don't we read the Bible? I knew this was going to be tough. Verse 14, now the body's not made up of one part, but of many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, in other words, I'm not like you, okay? I'm not, I don't have the gift you have. All right, if you should say that, because of that, I don't belong to the body. It wouldn't, for that reason, cease to be a part of the body. Why? Because it was baptized into the body. All right? And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body, it wouldn't, for that reason, cease to be a part of the body. You can say whatever you want. Okay? If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has arranged the parts in the body Every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. I'm laughing because I have a note written here with the word tithemy, God arranged, God set with great care and precision, and I spelled tithemy wrong. Some of these notes are from like 1988 in this Bible. Anyway, it's funny to me. So so he's saying that, he's talking here about self-exclusion. 
he's talking here about us deciding, you know what? Either because we look at somebody else, it's always easier to see the gifts in somebody else than it is in yourself. And so we look at somebody else. I was watching yesterday. She's not in here, so I can embarrass her. Jessica Dusbalbic was ministering to the kids out there. And I was taking pictures. And the way that she just connects and relates and asks questions and leads them along and does this and stops and does that is fascinating to me. I don't have a drop of that in me. I have no idea how to do that. But you can see it's a gift from God working in her. It's totally different than what I have. We need each other to do what the Lord wants us to do. But see, I could look at that and go, oh, I'm worthless to the body. I I must not be a Christian because I don't function like that. I can see some of you function in mercy that's far beyond what I've ever experienced. It's a gift from the Lord. I have some. I don't have that much, you know. Uh, serving. I can see people that serve that are just, man, they just notice everything that needs to be done and they're there and they, and they love doing it. It just inspires them when they do it. I can serve, but not like that. That's a gift. And so we don't want to look at that and then exclude ourselves because somebody else is different than we are, okay? And the other end, he, he comes to this, the other end of this, he says, the eye cannot say to the hand, this is the other side, I don't need you, okay? So this is not self-excluding, it's pushing somebody else out. I don't need you, and the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem weaker are indispensable, And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat, he's talking about our body now, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable and are treated, they're treated with special modesty. Thank you very much. While our presentable parts need no special modesty, but God has combined the members in the body and given greater honor to the parts that lacked it so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other, because if one part suffers, every part suffers with it. He deals with both ends of this. He says, because you're different from somebody else, don't allow the devil to lie to you and say, you know what, I'm inadequate. I'm not like them. I must not belong. The devil takes people out of the body all the time that way. Just feeling like, I'm just inadequate. I'm just not like these people. Or there's the whole personal preference issue. And I was real guilty of this early on. God set me in a church with a a preacher from Texas that had a Texas accent. And at that time, I was very prejudiced. I was a Colorado kid. I was prejudiced against Texans. Well, what an idiot. Okay, I was an idiot. Let's just say it the way it was. But I had this prejudice. So where does God put me in a church with pastors who are Texans and who loves to wear a suit? Okay, I, I had to get over it, okay? I had to get over a variety of personal prejudice. Nothing was, nothing was racial, nothing was any of that stuff. It was cultural stuff that I was such a young bonehead, but God sent me in that church and I started getting fed by the word of God and it totally changed my life. And it grew me up because I wasn't totally comfortable with everybody. I didn't feel like I fit in. I didn't feel we, 
We never had people, I mean, we had good friends there, but they all looked at us like zoo animals, you know, because we were mountain biking and we were, this is in Albuquerque. People didn't do that. So we didn't go to the mall and shop. We didn't, you know, we didn't do the stuff they did. We were different. And, and yet we love those people and we grew with those people. And some of our best friends are still those people. And those people, those Texans are still my pastor, you know? So we had to get over ourselves and learn how to love people who are different than us and appreciate the gifts that were in them. And sometimes somebody would, they'd get up and man, it's like, they're just so gifted. I don't, but you can't let that spirit of inadequacy get on you or the personal preference. Oh, I just want to be with my own tribe. I just want to be, these just aren't my people. Well, did God put you there? Maybe they'll become your people. Maybe you need to broaden your perspective of who your people are. I did. I did for sure. And now I can love all of you. I mean, this is really amazing. I've grown so much. Is this making sense to you? So there, there are all these reasons, you know, and, and, and you can have a, a sense of superiority that, hey, I have this gift and everybody should have this. This is what you should be passionate about. This is what is the most important thing. You know what? God's got a broad perspective on what the most important thing is to getting his work done. And the only way he's going to want to do it, the way he set it up, is to get a whole bunch of wildly diverse people and bind them together in love, and bind them together in faith in Christ, and we all drink of the same spirit, and we come together, and God will use that group in a way he could never use us as individuals. I can't think of a better way to step on any toes, so we'll just quit. Oh, I still have a couple minutes. Let's stop. Sorry, sorry. I'm not sorry. You didn't You didn't want to go anywhere anyway. Um Maybe I got most of it. Oh, let me just give you this nugget and then we'll be done. Okay. So here we are, different group. We're different within the, within the body, within, within a local church. Okay, there, there's a variety here. Then there are different local churches around town. Some people think that's wrong. Some people have come and said, oh, I just wish we could all get together. I think it's right. I think it's, they're different families and each family has a little different bent. Just like some of us have a little different, we're all headed for the same goal, right? But we're going about it. There's something, you know, that appeals to us and God's doing in us. And, and so that's our focus and our bent. And I think for the most part, Various local churches are the same way. They're a little different. Other families on your block are a little different than you, but they're still families, okay? We still all live in the same community. And so there are places where we have and always will have differences of opinion on Scripture, on different parts of Scripture, okay? And so we can still get along. Apply this to politics, okay? We can still get along, even though we don't fully agree on some parts of Scripture. Again, I'm not talking about heresy. I'm not talking about saying Jesus is the Lord. So how do we do that? Okay, how do we do that? It's really simple. When we, in here, we practice and we enjoy 
For instance, the gifts of the Holy Spirit. There are things we all believe together and we're going to enjoy that. We're going to practice that. Well, not every church in town believes it that way. They're all wrong, but no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Um, But that's important. That's really important to us. But those are still our brothers and sisters. We just have a difference of opinion. So here's what we do. We, first of all, when we're interacting with other churches and other believers, and especially in a public setting when we're coming together, we focus on the absolutes of Scripture. That is, Jesus Christ is Lord and the one way of salvation. Number two, the Bible is the Word of God. Okay? If we have those two things together, we can function together. We can't do everything. that We're not agreeing on everything, but those are the important things. Okay? There are other things that are interpretations of Scripture. And for us, the, and they're respected interpretations of Scripture. People, theologians, have different points of view. We take hold of our convictions. And we preach them here. We live them in our lives. We take hold and we don't let go of our convictions. But I'm not going to fight with somebody because they think the gifts of the Spirit passed away at some point during church. I don't agree but I'm not fighting with them. Why? Because that's my brother, that's my sister, and we both want people to come to Christ and and receive what he says through his word. At Night of Lights, one of the churches next door to us, we have very different viewpoints on the sovereignty of God, which is a real important issue to me. I, I believe that God is good, that he doesn't use evil in our lives, that he doesn't, that he doesn't uh, micromanage everything that happens on planet Earth. We have a very different opinion about that. But it was awesome because we were able to go over and say, get excited with them about the tracks they were handing out, the people they were able to minister to, invited them over to cook hot dogs and, you know, just interact as brothers and sisters. We don't agree on a lot of stuff. Doesn't matter. We agree on who Jesus is and we agree on what the word of God is, okay? Beyond that, there's all kinds of things. There are deductions. There's end times. There's a good... There, I bet in this room we have 10 varieties of opinion about how the end times are going to go, which is why I don't teach on it, because I gave up years ago. Everybody has a good reason. There are scriptures that point to every one of your end, end times theology, and I've heard them all. And so I take the, my end times theology is be doing what I left you there to do, and when I get there, I'll put you in the right line. That's all I know, okay? I have a little more than that, but it doesn't matter. That's the important part. So so there are those things that are just deductions from a lot of scriptures. The Bible doesn't tell us exactly how it works. And so I'm not gonna fight with other brothers and sisters about that. That'd be nuts. We're brothers and sisters. We get along. We, we, We agree on the important stuff, okay? And then there's what color chairs you have and what kind of music you do and all the really unimportant stuff that we tend to fight over, okay? So the point is, when we're interacting with other brothers and sisters, I want to build a relationship about what we agree on. Then if that's a good relationship, we can talk about some of the other stuff. I'm, I'm just about done. I used to meet for, for years, met with uh, two other pastors here in town who had very different, actually three some of the time. The one this congregation finally wouldn't let us meet with 
with him because he, you know, we didn't agree on everything. He was fine with it. But anyway, we used to get together and we'd pray. We'd pray over the community. We'd pray for people to come to Christ. And then sometimes we'd sit around, drink coffee and talk about what we believed about the gifts of the Spirit, what they believed about the gifts of the Spirit, what they believed about this, we believed. And it was all with total respect and love for one another. We can do that. We can do that. Okay. But the idea is not we're all supposed to just be one local church. I don't think. I think we're supposed to be various local churches. And I know, I know there's a lot of stuff goes on outside of what I'm saying this morning, but we're various local churches. God plants you somewhere in one of them. Stay planted. Unless God really does move you, stay planted. Be where you're supposed to be and the body will function. Did you get anything out of this? Better stand up and pray. Now we're past 11. I couldn't quit early just is not in me. Thank you, Lord. Father, out of all of that, I know that you can bring forth life. And so, Father, we receive what you've spoken to us, where you've tapped us individually, Lord. We receive that. And Lord, I pray, Father, that we as a body, Lord, can function more and more and more, grow us, strengthen us, add where we're lacking, Lord, so that we can accomplish what you've given us to do. And Father, for this whole community and this valley, we believe that you are raising up believers, gathering them together in their groups, manifesting yourself to them and through them. And that, Lord, our goal is to make Gunnison and Crested Butte and our local area in particular for it to be almost impossible for somebody to pass through this place and not hear about Jesus. And we all agree on that. So Lord, we thank you for that. We thank you what you're doing in the church and through the church. And as we go out as the church this week, Lord, we believe we will have opportunity to give away what you have given to us today in Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen. All right. We're going to be dismissed. If you need prayer for anything, I'd love to pray for you this morning. Otherwise, have a good time. Enjoy the snacks. Some really good cookies that somebody left here yesterday. Uh, Let's say this on the count of three. Jesus is Lord over the Gunnison Basin and the world. Right? One, two, three. Jesus is Lord over the Gunnison Basin and the world. Amen. Bye, family. For listening to this message from Rocky Mountain Christian Ministries in Gunnison, Colorado. We hope you will visit us at rmcmchurch.org, like our Facebook page, or subscribe to our messages on YouTube.